I had a good time editing this one. A few weeks ago, I spent a weekend with Joey Rubin and Joshua Luce from Goldland Barbecue. They had the full experience when they were here. Um, they were really excited to come to the Texas scene. They really wanted to learn about Texas barbecue, and uh, they got what they wanted. Uh, the moment they landed Friday night, we were at the brewer's table uh, where they would be cooking on Sunday. Um, we went across the street to Justin's Brasserie. We were eating escargot, cutting burgers into quarters and all kinds of other food, sharing a table with people we knew, people we didn't know. Uh, I really love Justine's because they have Cronenberg 1664. It's a French lager, and if you know me, lagers are my favorite type of beer, uh, and that's a super refreshing when it goes really with anything. I made Joey and Joshua wake up early on Saturday. You know, I have to take people to Snow's, and uh, I think everyone should experience Snow's Barbecue. It's truly an amazing place, an amazing experience, and it's run by really great people. They ate like kings, uh, and we drove back super inspired. I go to Snow's off, and I could tell that these guys really appreciated the experience. It's uh, it's truly unique, and uh, they really like sticking their heads in all the smokers and learning the Texas way. But on Sunday, they cooked in the open hearth at the brewer's table, and the crowd was super fun. Uh, I didn't realize how many friends Joey Rubin and Joshua Luce had already in Austin, and they were an eclectic crowd, really interesting people, including a guy who helped procure all the meat for the event from Greensbury, which is a really interesting service, kind of like Butcher's Box. And I'm hoping to link up with them again soon, get an episode about, you know, some of these services that will send you out fresh meat. But even though they have a restaurant of their own to run in L.A., uh, they decided to create Goldland because they wanted to cook Santa Maria style all over the world. They wanted to take this open fire concept that inspired them uh, and, and share it with other people. Their passion is truly palpable, uh, and I was lucky to get them on the mic because they're very busy guys. They barely spent 48 hours here in Austin. Uh, so enjoy this conversation with Joey Rubin and Joshua Luce of Goldland Barbecue. Thank you for watching and listening to The Best Barbecue Show. I'm here with Joey Rubin and Joshua hey. Luce yo, yo. Uh, from Goldland, yes, a sir. new pop-up straight mm. out of L.A. Mm. We are in the Delta Millworks conference room right next to the brewer's table whose beer we're drinking. Mm, shout, shout out. Fucking delicious. Yeah. So my first question to you two is, uh, how do you spell Soignet? Uh, you curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys just killed a pop-up Santa Maria style in the hearth at the brewer's table. You know, fresh meats from Greensbury vegetables a, a dessert you're gonna to have to explain again because i can't do it justice mm. yep. you know where where did these menus come from tell tell us about your history yeah these menus came from chef josh here uh the history is a, a california heritage barbecue history i guess you can talk into what the menus are yeah totally um basically looking at the calendar looking at the date deciding what is going to be the best at that very moment but still showcasing a few key items, right? So we had to do tri-tip. It was a necessity for us to do that. Uh, Greensbury stepped in with, with delicious tri-tip. Uh, they also stepped in with a beautiful pork belly. I thought it was super fitting to do a classic bean dish, like a pork and beans riff. 
I just feel like you find it in barbecue. You find it all over the States. Yeah. Um, so really deep diving into that. I thought heirloom tomatoes in peak season would be a nice touch. Mm. Um, obviously grilled corn on the cob. Who doesn't like that at a barbecue? Mm. So that was really where the menu derived from. Um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really try to extrapolate too much um, and do anything very esoteric. It was just really about looking at time and place and then reverse engineering from that point. Nice. Yeah. Well, and you guys know I eat a lot of barbecue, and one of the things I see a lot is we heard. there's all these trays. They, people leave beans. They do. People, like, lick the beans off that plate. Like, those plates were clean because those beans were so good, dude. Jason came over with very high remarks about the beans. <laughs> uh, Whoa. Yeah. Shots fired. Yeah, we got Jason White here as our uh, live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in, in the region, the Pequinto beans are grown specifically there. And it is, uh, again, back to that heritage style. Josh, I think, does a very good job at talking through the real history of it. Um, but it is a style that since mid-century hasn't seen many updates along or sort of like proportionally to what's happened in restaurant trends. And I think that what we love to do is bring this idea of Santa Maria out to the world and like this new pop-up series is about going and meeting with masters that are cooking over open flame. So this trip coming down here, we got to rock with best barbecue and get taken on a damn fine DI a VIP tour um, with the first stop being snows. Yeah. Um, you know, that Texas monthly list, that's the top 50 getting straight to the top and seeing the Mona Lisa, you know, like exactly in that moment with, with Tootsie uh, in the pits and seeing the line and seeing what it's all about and going to the live auction. And, uh, you know, that's like an, a, an important American barbecue experience. And I think from there what it told us is that we need to go and meet with the greatest around the world. Um, so that's what this trip was about. The menu came out yesterday. We did a sold-out pop-up at the brewer's table. Um, we ran through all product and landed flat on proteins. Um, Greensbury provided it. It was a super nice gesture, and they make incredible product. They do direct-to-consumer shipping off of grass-fed and well-ranched meats, poultry, seafood. Uh, it was delicious. It was super-duper delicious. On point. Yeah, very on point. Um, and you did something unique with the beef, right? You kind of filleted a special way? Yeah, so typically we just cook them whole. Right, it's a tri-tip. It goes on. It's seasoned. We're big on the dry rub. Uh, we decided to do a little variation of that. Mm. If you look back further in original Santa Maria style barbecue, it's top sirloin that's rolled and cooked onto a rod, but it's extremely large format, meaning they're getting ten of those on a big rod that hit the open pit, meaning it's hundred pounds of beef going on at one time. As we work in different restaurant venues, we understand that cooking per person and a la carte. Is, is, a, is a prominent way that people are consuming this as we scale out of the banquet setting. And so to get it down, get it on a rod, thinly slice the tri-tip, yeah. it's reminiscent of Al Pastor. It's almost like sliced beef that you're seeing in Koreatown when you're doing their barbecue as well. So really it's an homage, yeah. tip of the hat, dust off the book, slam dunk type tri-tip maneuver. Yeah. And I don't know if you thought about it, but even off of, off of the, the pork steaks that, that they do at Snow's, that beautiful, unbelievable product. It was one of my favorite bites of, of this It's a trip. lot of people's favorite bites. Oh, man, it's so good. Like, I don't know if you thought about it, but the way the pork belly was cut was like 
almost uh, similar in the nature where that lean hits fat, fat melts in, and it's just like that's what was so rad about that pork steak at Snows. I loved it, man. And I don't know if that played any part or if yeah. you expected or planned it. But. Yeah, when I was eating the pork, you know, the morning before, I felt like they were really trying to showcase that. And, and that toothy element as fat is melting away from slow cook and it's rendering out, it's keeping the meat moist. If you, if you slice it too thin, you don't really get that unctuous type experience from it. And of course, we saw her back with the electric knife attacking all proteins in a similar fashion. Yeah. So I thought we would kind of pay homage to that a la minute. Um, I didn't really necessarily preemptively think that we were going to represent yeah. the barbecue that we had the morning no. before. But it, that, it was that inspirational and the magnitude of that, I think, just shone through sort of what we did day of. Right, right. Yeah. Damn fine steak. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, what was it like? You know, you guys are in a huge city, huge. one of the biggest food cities in the world. Turns out. Yep. Yeah. You get to go out to places and do some of these pop-ups, but uh, it, it was probably one of the most beautiful drives through Lexington. You know, Man. I do it all the time, but yeah. it was like the sun was just shining perfectly on every little hill. It's funny, too, because that's kind of where the name comes from for our pop-up, for our series. It's called Goldland, and it's about this idea of Central Coast and, like, Pacific sunsets hitting hills and the whole sky, like, lights up amber. That was a big part of the inspiration for the name. And having that early morning drive and getting to the setting where it's being served perfectly is a big part of what this brand is about is about and, and uh i mean i couldn't imagine a more beautiful texas morning morning it's like gorgeous day gorgeous thank and, you again oh my pleasure Seriously. it's beautiful to have I, I love being in austin because a lot of people come to you when they want to learn about barbecue when they want to learn about right. open fire cooking That's i mean right. The Brewer's Table has this very unique hearth, but there's a lot of other places popping up now, you know, fairgrounds and a few other restaurants that are all trying to cook open or, o, over open fire. Yeah. So you, you guys are kind of part of this upswing mm. that, you know, a lot of people don't even know what this is. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people go to places they don't even notice that there's a fire pit, there's a Santa Maria girl in the kitchen. Right. Uh, you said you said it's mostly from Santa Barbara, or tell us the kind of the origin of where you, you you started this. Santa Barbara is the southernmost region, and then it stretches up into more or less what would be the San Simeon area where Hearst Castle is located. Mm. For people that sort of know the geography, yeah. But if you deep dive into the Central Coast, you're going to see that from town to town they have different ways that they're doing it. Yeah. And it's much like what you're getting down here. It is a blood sport. Yeah. Everybody has a Santa Maria style grill in their backyard. The city has installed them through public parks. 100%. Wow. Yeah. You Badass. see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. It's, it's a part of the culture yep. and it's a part of the lifestyle. And I think going back to your point about LA and being a big scene, we did see the upswing, but we realized that we are still doing something that's underrepresented in Los Angeles. That's right. Right. And for listeners that don't know the region, you're essentially talking about a wide area between Los Angeles, Los Angeles and San Francisco yep. on the coast where you're anywhere from like coast right on the coast to like 50 miles inland. That's the little corner of that central coast area. It's more specific. It's tighter than that. Um, but for the broader scope and picture, that's where it's from. So this style was really popularized. Uh, I mean, a pre-colonial indigenous and native cooking used all of the same and similar elements of this 
style of food. You were cooking over the same coast oak. You were cooking with willow spears and holding food over pit dug coast oak burning uh, wood. And you had that updated uh, with the vaqueros and the whole cowboy culture many years later to cook for large format ranch hand cookouts that in the mid-century then got taken a little bit more formalized into American barbe barbecue culture yep. um, with the lodges and the veterans halls and sort of the original. Yeah, the prolification of sort of backyard grilling. Yeah. Right? right. So people were able to take that out of the Elks Lodge where you're cooking for a thousand people at once yeah. and really do that in your backyard. Yeah. And now when you see barbecue season start to kick off in that area, people are getting their wood, they're carrying their wood, and it's happening in every every backyard yeah and to be three hours north of la and have no touchstone for that in the largest city in california we just think there's amazing like sort of difference there yeah and we we want to close that delta and close that gap with Goldland. Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of the listeners know this from the different people we've had on there are challenges to any kind of open fire to doing those kinds of things in la absolutely so i think that's probably also uh stopped a lot of people from taking this on like you guys have, right? Yeah, I mean, I think nationally people have seen the story about what's happened when people catch fire in California. Right. We yeah. live in a fire state. It's been a fire state for millions of years. You right. know, we have, like, I think people haven't adapted to fire the way that they could have in some of these environments. And I think that um, the regulations are obviously around the dangers that are out there yep. with irresponsible fire use, but right. this is cooking and we yeah. gather people around fire for as long as you can imagine. Yeah. You know? And I think to be completely like transparent and fair, I think with the trend hopping nature of a culinary scene like LA, which we know the ins and outs of, to be fair, people will hop on that trend and get a Santa Maria style grill in the kitchen. Can happen. But within technique and fundamental, they're not able to use it through every part of their cooking. Yeah, we've seen hotel right. openings with fly restaurant kitchens that have, you know, beautiful build outs on some of these grills right. and the handles still polished and stainless because no one's touching it. So, then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's a real thing. And uh, connecting that to connecting that region to a city like Los Angeles um, was something that was super interesting for us to kick this thing. off. Well, and I go around meeting barbecue guys all over the country but even in austin even in texas i've gone to places that have a big smoker or they have you know santa maria or a hearth of some kind and they don't necessarily you know watching you work the fire i can tell you know okay i want it to be hot here i want it to be not as hot here i'm right and yeah. that's people don't realize that 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 seeing the wood and knowing how it's going to burn and 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 keeping a good coal bed yeah, is sure. not something you just like do you have to learn how to do that there's no sure. like 25 percent of the grill being on we're like 150 percent on or 110 percent stopped and there that's just the way that we do it yeah so i thought it was i mean that was what one of the things that snows was so special for is that they're cooking real time and one thing that like i think i learned by being down here and or at least that place illuminated for me was that so many people try to manipulate how they smoke and hold and 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 sort of shoehorn brisket to become sim like what Snows does in real time based off of experience working with live fire. Yeah. So they're doing auto adjustments in the moment with humidity levels, with sun levels, with crowd density, 
Like they're changing. And so when it comes off and it's so hot to the touch, you could, you know, burn yourself and they slice it live. It's like so many others are actually trying to use other processes of hot box or holding temps and bring it to what that, what they're doing. So that's why I thought that was such a special trip out there. And man, that, yeah. Like the confidence level and executing your vision like that. Yeah. Like it's coming off the grill. We're slicing it. It's too hot. You can't even touch it type shit. Like yeah. that's fucking dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? For lack of a better term, that's like full, com- <laughs> that's full confidence, right? In so your much. product and your execution. And I'm, I don't know if attitude is the right word or not, but there's a little bit of swag in that as well too. Yeah. To be able to do that and just drop the mic and like, that's your morning barbecue. Man. And Tootsie, sell out, right? Tootsie standing there just knowing that everything coming off is fire. Yep. That was amazing. Well, and, and, and Carrie and Clay, of course. Yeah. They, like, they know exactly what, you know, like, it's flames. Well, it's funny because you have a lot of people ask Tootsie, you know, the, the, the culture of barbecue, especially the backyard guys, they get way too caught up in exact temperatures, exact cooking times, yeah. things that, that, that we know aren't, you, you can't, there's no rule. You have to feel out the meat. You have to go by what it, it, it seems to be doing. So people ask her, hey, how do you make sure that you check the temperature? She just goes like that. She just yeah. sticks her hand over it. Yeah. You know, like You're that's, like, you do it for a long time. Yeah. Right? Mm. If your hand's too hot, it's probably too hot. Probably. That's right. Uh, but you also, uh, you, you had brisket twice before 9 a.m. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. trip. So we Certainly brought you did. some real deal holy fields from Van- Valentino's. Valentino's, man. I thought it was a cruel trick. You're like, I got, the, I got you a breakfast taco and I open it up and it's just brisket laying atop a tortilla <laughs> with nothing else in sight. It was at 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, uh, not a lot of sleep time on this trip. But we got a lot in, and I think we did it nice. We didn't just hit barbecue here, you know, like Justine's Brasserie getting escargot yeah. at midnight is a vibe, you know, in Austin. And you see Sunra and, like, wild lineups off that place. Like, you go to the pizza spot and get Detroit-style pizzas in, in Texas. You go to, um, man, we had such a nice time this morning even trying to like refresh from that entire like food experience and stop by to meet up with Sean Serkiel, who's an amazing operator in town and got juice with him. And I felt so much better after <laughs> three days of heavy beer, beef, brasserie, <laughs> trying to think of all the B things we ate to keep going with this one, but you know what Great I mean? Great beans. And beans, beans is bourbon, well. beer, all of it. <laughs> all of the B's. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you guys have a lot of friends in town. It was cool to see not only the brewer's table customers and fans come out, but your people came out and it was like a party in there. It was like a party in there. That's right. So it it sounds like that. That's what happens at y'all's restaurant. That's what happens at your pop-ups. Yeah. You know, what does it take to cultivate such a great atmosphere wherever you go? Hospitality. Hospitality. Being a good host. Hosting. Yes, like the food, like it was thoughtful Mm. and it photographs with that top shot and looks very culinary driven. But when the people are in the room, that plays second fiddle to the vibe. Yeah. And just people talking and all that. Like, I think that's the great thing about the food. It's so well accepted and so authentic that it you go for that because you're getting that top shot and then it slides to the back and plays like accompaniment to right. the higher notes that move in as people are having 
beer in house, yeah. meeting friends, talking to people, networking, whatever it may be. Right. So yeah. I think it's a great mix and we do that in LA. We'll do that here. We'll try to do that in Japan, Argentina, wherever we go. Yeah. I think it's super important. I was there at 8am designing out a new menu. We were talking with Zach, uh, DJ jazz cabbage about the placement of the speakers to make sure that For PAs sure. weren't placed at eye level. Uh, we were like plossing out the restaurant so that we could hold down a vibe because we know what it takes to keep a room. Guests were walking in sort of like knowing there was a pop-up, not necessarily knowing depths of style or why we were here. Uh, They learned quickly and made friends fast. There was others who were coming in just based off the high rating of a Google or Yelp review of of Brewer's Table. And it said open. And as they walked up, they were like, oh, wait, what's going on? Uh, and we're like, look, you can come on in. You're going to have a nice time. And uh, everyone stayed. I mean, we had a really nice time in the venue, and I think that's kind of the, the good vibe that we're going for. Josh, yeah, you'd mentioned Josh and I had worked together on opening a restaurant in Venice Beach where he remains executive chef. It's called Neighbor. It's on Abbott Kinney. Um, it's a beautiful California bistro cocktail bar. Come by when you're in town. And... Uh, for the last two years, we we essentially um, seen what's happened and the changes in the restaurant business. We're very fortunate to be in a high density area um, with a product that people enjoy. And you know, with the changes that are taking place in the business, we need to start like figuring out models that work. And so I started in street food in 2004, uh, doing underground pop-ups, fried chicken parties with Dante Fried Chicken. You know, I got into nightlife and doing shows. It was all about music and setting vibe and uh, entertaining and hosting and then went into restaurants. And being here, coming back with this, it's almost a full circle to street food, vending, catering, event, service, um, which for us is is super fun as guys who've been working on many, many restaurants for for many, many years, you know? Well, and, and you, you have, I mean, you are on the pulse of LA. So besides, I know there's a lot of politics. I know there's a lot that happens in the food scene. Can you give people who are, I mean, there's people from Australia to Saudi Arabia listening, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what's, what's, what's LA like? Are there, are there weird things you're seeing popping up or weird trends or is it all just kind of riding on Michelin stars? What's going on in LA right Certainly now? Certainly not riding on Michelin stars. <laughs> right. Uh, there, there are people that are feeling it because it just came out. Mm. But when it goes away and people realize that it's going to come around next year and people will either gain them or lose them, mm. I think that's when it will really set in and people will realize the impact of the guide. Not to say they don't know because there was a guide before, yeah. which has since then, then uh, been suspended. Yeah. But I think that it, it's going to take like two or three years for that to really be felt. Right. And actually start moving the heartbeat of L.A. Right. Um, but right now, for better or for worse, flavor of the week, flavor of the month, I think is okay because of its proximity to the entertainment industry. Right. And I'm not saying it in a disparaging way, but it is flavor of the month, flavor of the week. Um, a lot of times. Yeah. But and not also, always. Like not it, always. It, it, and, and certainly not by and large for the whole industry of food in Los Angeles. Look, you've got... 30 plus languages spoken in the LA Unified School District. You have so many uh, different cultures and regions and international flavors on the menu that are served in neighborhoods that are endemic to neighborhoods for one, maybe two generations at this point. Like, yeah. um, you have 
a city that produced Jonathan Gold, you know, a music writer out of Compton that told the best cultural stories uh, through the lens of food in Los Angeles ever. Um, There's there's like a number of reasons why that city is so exciting when it comes to food. And I think a lot of it has to do with scale and a lot of it has to do with uh, just just being large, being that large. we are a beautiful part of Mexico. You should come visit. It's like, you, you know, like the Oaxacan representation in my neighborhood has produced some of the best, like, Oaxacan restaurants in the country. Like, Yelagetza was John Gold's, uh, you know, best Oaxacan restaurant in the country. Yeah. Um, you can go down my street, and it's like being in Oaxaca. It, like, that's like the tale of two cities story you know? that's running in the food scene in L.A. That's right. Which is cool. That's right. There is very much what people see at an international fine dining scale in food media. Yep. And there is also the fact that like spread out across that town um, are just some of the best family businesses, one stop shops, like non-English speaking like neighborhoods that just put up beautiful, beautiful traditional food. So we have a thing with Goldland where we find a nice blend between tradition and trend, right? And I think in L.A., it's been very binary towards one or the other. Right. And it made it very exciting for people that made trendy businesses to visit tradition. And it made it very difficult for traditional-style cooks to align with trends who don't you know, know how to work media business and keep up on pace with what's happening on the Internet, um, plus labor laws, plus anti-migrant laws plus just like straight up difficult challenges of a city that you drive in you know it's a driving city here you can get from one end to the other in 15 20 minutes um in the downtown metropolis area like in la yeah man i i I don't even know if i spend two hours getting from la to la yo if i leave my front door at the wrong time i don't know if i'm gonna get my mailbox like you know like it's so there's just a lot of interesting unique traits to that town, but I think people are attracted to it because of how broad it is and how much it covers in food. Yeah. And it's cool because I, I, I love the people that I get to meet, especially being here in Austin, traveling to LA, because it's not like you guys are like, we're going to take Santa Maria and make it our thing. You're, you're trying to honor the tradition. You're trying to bring something yeah. that's, that's already in California, a little further South. And right. it, was there something that inspired you specifically or you just, I mean, I'm just excited to cook with fire any way possible. Yeah, so sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole thing. Right. And like, I'm from that area, but I would be, I wouldn't be completely honest if I would say that I grew up cooking that. So really it took me decades in the food industry to circle back to it. Yeah. And then there's that story of, well, why would you do that when you're on this path? Right. But as we've talked about it before, when you get drawn to something that's authentic and, and the authenticity of that, that style, I had to circle back to it, much in the way that people cut their teeth in New York City or different metropolitan areas. When they come home, they build a portfolio of restaurants in their hometown, and then they get to express something different, right? The hometown flavor, the flavors that have influenced them on their path, and I think it's very much a similar story for me, circling back, going back, realizing there was something to that realizing it it needs a little bit of help not saying that i'm the one to lift it i just want to participate in it yeah for sure. you know what i mean we just want to expose ourselves to something that mm-hmm. is definitely can't be owned by any one person right. yeah you know what i'm saying so that's the 100%. big thing going in 
Well, and one of the reasons, uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with competition versus, you know, Texas barbecue, but yeah. competition is very much like. We don't know I anything make, about competition right. when it comes to L.A. restaurants. Well, no, but I'm talking about competition barbecue. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So competition, I know, I know. competition barbecue is very pompous, very like we're the best. We're awesome. This is the best sauce you'll ever eat. And it's very talked up. Whereas in Texas, if, if someone has a big sign like warning you're about to eat the best barbecue in the world, it's probably not a very good place. Likely Where, so. Whereas the understated, the little place out in the country is going to be so good you can't believe the place isn't packed. You sure. Know? Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's aspects to all sides of food service where people need to position and posture, you know, and, and use their best version of brand. For some, it's competition. I think the thing that's most interesting that I saw being here with you guys was the community and the idea that people were sharing, you know, family secrets, trade secrets, proprietary technique, mm -hmm. like being willing to talk to people about how things work. Sometimes it's as simple as like a wonderful and wise woman and pit master just being like, put your hand there, you know, right. and other times it's as dense as, I mean, like the way the mechanics of the hearth are built and who built them, Yeah, you know? And like, so that's, it's interesting to me that there is a competition industry, and I know that that is serious in this industry for barbecue, uh, but it is far more fascinating to be involved in a community that shares the information than it is to like have the logo too big yeah. on the front of the store. Well, and competition has has kind of left to me. It, it's it's left some things behind. Like they're just covering chicken totally. thighs and parquet, totally and doing all this weird right, stuff that right. just like over spices. Or yeah. over flavors the thing because when totally. you have a judge, you only get one bite, and that one right. bite has to be like an unbelievable amount of flavor. Yeah, and it's there's politics, and it's very subjective, and For it's, sure. you know that's the thing. Like, let's go to some competitions and enjoy them, and walk around and yeah. have a blast. Well, th that's I can't imagine we'd ever be like showing up it, to compete. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, sure. I, and I think like if you just think about and rewind and think about what we actually did with this weekend with our friends and friends previously and friends we've made on this trip totally like we brought what we're calling barbecue to austin texas oh my god right and so there it's not apprehension isn't the right word because we're never like apprehensive about what we're doing but to be welcomed in yeah and to nobody try to dispute that as a form of barbecue yeah like there at one point in my mind i was thinking well somebody at in some way shape or form gonna we're going to start hoax. this conversation right because this is a hoax like we're going to get in a, a discussion about what it really is who are these city slickers yeah. serving me tomatoes and right? calling it barbecue because really like santa maria is a grill style yeah right but we're using the term barbecue because we want to be in that circle like we want to be friends with the people in the region whether it's nashville memphis whether we take it deep south or we took it to Texas yeah. and we took it with barbecue and everybody here had the humility to be able to share that with us. Man, yeah. And like, that's the dopest thing you could ask for. Yeah, yeah well, it, was, it was going to church. To, to, tell a, to tell a funny anecdote about Texas barbecue and LA, I was just recently at the LA Food Bowl, which shout, is at Grand Park. Shout out Slab, shout yeah. out Bert. Shout out to Bert, shout out to Moose, shout out to Shout out to, to, Moose. Shout out to Alan Cruz, yeah. shout out to all the LA barbecue Martin, guys cooking Texas yeah. food real fine. Adam Perry Lang. Uh, and yep. so one of the things that was so funny is that the, when I got there, I realized, oh, the LA Food Bowl, it's in LA because the, the staff was like a production staff. Here yep. it's just like 
some people that kind of know how events work oh, and nah. they, there it's like, we need to know exactly what the budget is. Yep. Where do you need this van to be? Headsets. How, how many bag? Yeah. So many headsets, radios. Yeah, man. And so Credentials. It's, like a, it's like being on a film. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time they came in and, and when I was talking to them, I was watching everyone. They were pulling in all their offset smokers because that's a style. Yep. So Adam Perry Lang had two of Aaron's smokers that he lent back to Aaron. Uh-huh. And, uh, Trudy's Underground had Tootsie, yeah. which is, you know, his smoker. Is um, it? Yeah, it's called, he named it Tootsie. Oh, that's oh, the name. That's, yeah. Oh, uh, um, amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, know, I, I did know that when he said it. I thought you'd suggest, I thought you'd say they had built it. <laughs> that's no more. Oh, no, that's like, cool. That's not. Carrie that's did awesome. build all the things you saw, though. Dude, that, yeah. M- my that. question, do you, is it obligatory to name it a smoker? Yeah, it's a newer right? thing. Okay, it's a newer thing. Okay, yeah. cool. But people get, like, plates on them now. There's yeah. one called the Dope. Grunt. And George and the sure. Crystal something, you sure. know, whatever. But sure. so we're, we're, all these people are setting up and the staff is like, I can feel the tension. Mm. And I'm like, hey, because I've been kind of this media guy, whatever, showing up. And I, I just talk to everybody because I, you never know where there's a good story. Yeah. Right. So I'm talking to them and they're like, we're just really, we want to make sure no one fights over where they get to put their smoker. We want to make sure no one thinks they're getting a better or worse spot. Sure. And I just laughed. Because I was like, I just literally just yelled. I was like, hey, guys, uh, you guys worried about where everyone goes? Like, no, we'll, we'll, we'll make mm, it work. Fine. And right <laughs> as she was saying that, everyone parked their stuff. And then everyone, literally everyone stopped. They had stuff to set up. They had prep to do. Everyone helped Pat Martin build a, I don't even know, 30-foot long pit to like, cook 120 ribs. Like, like standard, everyone was like there a, to cook with each other. Yeah. Yep. And that's not, I, I realized when I get there that that's not an L.A. thing. Like, You'd expect them to fight or have a problem, but everyone shared the space like they were, you know, perfectly behaved five-year-olds. Man, it's age old. Fire brings people together. For sure. That's where it comes from. So I think that, like I, like on that community note, maybe that's something that's there and why it does. So, um, I mean, that's why we're attracted to it. Absolutely. Right? Because we, we picked up on that, and whether it's a vibe that's just going through the atmosphere. Yeah. And, like, now it's confirmed by doing this trip. Right. Like, it's fully confirmed that that's the vibe that it creates. And I'm so glad that we're able to tap into that, right? Yeah. And, and do other things that we want to do inside the industry. But I really think we've tapped into this, like, lifeblood that's been running through it for quite some time. Possibly since the beginning of time, depending on how deep you want to go. Sure. Beginning of human right? time. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of old school guys that, in one way or another, will basically say, if you didn't invent fire, you can't you know, say anything about barbecue. You know, right. And like, we didn't, we know we didn't invent anything, but it's just us trying to understand it. Yeah. You exactly. know what I'm saying? But, Absolutely. But the, but the community is so cool because they want, they don't care if a thousand people this year try to make barbecue because they know that it takes hard work mm. and that the hard work will kind of thin out the herd itself. So even Aaron Franklin has a, a, a master class. All these guys, you know, Clay will tell you everything he does because he knows you're going to have to do that for a thousand hours before yeah, you right, get good right, at right, it. Right, right, right. That's the thing. Uh, we're just going to keep getting better and keep taking it out there. Um, Can't wait. Goldland's a super exciting concept. Like, if we are able to um, learn the way that we did this weekend and we continue to move this around and pop it up wherever we need to go next. I, I can't wait to see like what this thing becomes and uh, yeah I mean shout out to everyone down here that took care of us and like let us learn from this beautiful place 100%. for sure um, we might squeeze one more in before you leave yeah we mm-hmm. might even be able to but like look 
the Brewers Table has a beautiful operation going on over there. They're making some fine beer. Great uh, beer. I mean, look. We're drinking it right now. Cheers. We are drinking it right now. Cheers. Uh, the, the, the level of sophistication and thought that's going into the entire production methods and the fermentation that's happening there in the program that's being built, like with Jason and with Jake collaborating on it, is super interesting. And to be able to use that kitchen for one day and pop up an idea while coming down here and gathering so many great ones is like such a treat. And, and there's many more of these to come like around the country and, and soon around, you know, around internationally. Um, this trip was blast and you guys should all look us up on the internets, which we will soon get together. And the name is Goldland and the hashtags Goldland Barbecue. And best BBQ? barbecue will get the, f yeah, yeah. And then the, the uh, Best barbecue, get the exclusive when we drop the website Let's or go, something dude. like it. <laughs> well, so uh, people who listen to the show know this, but I always ask everyone, you know, what's your message? You're, you're on your path. There's a lot of people that, are, whether they're ahead or behind you, they'd love to hear, you know, we share a lot in the barbecue community. What's your message to the people who are either trying to learn Santa Maria or just cooking their first brisket? They're, they're listening right now and they're cooking. You know, what's your message to the enthusiasts? Mm, to the enthusiasts. Uh, I have, I'll jump in with one. Yeah, go for Get it. Get after it. Right? Like, there's different styles and techniques and all this stuff, but going down and looking at the product, right, and being at Snow's Barbecue and walking down the street and seeing a cattle auction and understanding that while you're cooking, you still have to remain connected to the produce or the product is the most important message that I have by leaps and bounds. Staying connected to the product, showcasing the product, respecting the product. Yeah. yeah. Call your local farm or butcher before you just go buy Yeah, a like hit the market. Store. Walk the market. Walk, Walk down the to the market. auction and, and, and stare right into the eyes, uh, eyes of the, the cows and all that. It sounds a little bit whatever, but staying connected to it, you're going to yield like a better result, and yeah. that's the ultimate X factor for everything when it comes to cooking, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you to Zach, Jazz Cabbage, and Jason White Woo. for being our live studio audience. Yeah, and, you guys uh, did a great job. Super happy for you. Check out, check out Goldland. Check out Joey and Joshua. These guys are uh, they're, they're cooking with open fire, and I can't wait to see what's next. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Kid, come in and meet man. Y'all don't see me eat man. Hit on the meat man, y'all to see me eat now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle greener, showing the hell that like a meat on the meat man. Y'all to see me eat now.